Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 296 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well and uh, having an awesome day. So today's podcast conversation is a topic that I can easily nerd out about. And my guest and I nerd out about this stuff like every week and actually during the week as well. Uh, Our conversation is with my friend Kevin Shen from Dream Studio Course. And we're actually talking about building a dream studio, a dream home studio. So you might be like, Mel, I have zero desire to build a dream studio. Well, let me explain a little bit. So I imagine all of us probably, right, will have telehealth as a part of, uh, all of us that are doing therapy, uh, will have telehealth as a part of our life going forward, right? Uh, I also know that many of us are considering either reducing our current caseload or completely no longer seeing clients moving to consulting or coaching or online uh, content creation. And a studio, a a quality video setup uh, can help you stand out so well, Uh, just to even be like fully open and transparent. I, you know, just because like budget was like real tight, especially in the first several years of STC, I still try to run a tight ship when it comes to budget, but, but budget was really tight and, you know, I didn't have like the best like video setup. And so even if you look at some of the earlier videos that I've shown with STC, it was literally me on a gray background uh, talking into a webcam. And I had this mic. Well, initially I was just using the webcam mic. And then I then had like a my podcasting mic right up on my face. And it produced a really rich sound, but it wasn't like the most visually pleasing. And so... It's been a lot of evolution over these past years, and especially in the last, I would say, two, like post like when the pandemic started, like two years, um, I've invested quite a bit of money. I always like, you know, save up a little amount of money every month. And then when I have enough money, I'll, you know, buy quality gear. And so again, just to be like open and honest, like I've probably spent somewhere between 10 to 15,000 probably in just video gear, just to kind of take the quality of things that I produce to the next level uh, with my online courses and stuff, you know, I'm charging higher prices because like, you know, we invest and we, we want to produce like quality stuff. Right. And so everything from my live cohort, all of that stuff is, you know, we try to up the quality and, and video is the one thing 
that we've really spent a lot of time on and finances on. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So Kevin and I are talking about why a professional video studio matters. And uh, and then we're going to dive into some really practical stuff on creating a dream video studio. Stuff that I know for me, like I don't always consider, and we'll get a little bit you know, deeper into this stuff. But, you know, for example, like thinking about of what kind of lighting you have, thinking about the constraints of the place that you're doing sessions or consults or wherever, right? And creating something that is optimized based on that setup, right? And then Kevin's going to, you know, mention some tips and strategies and all this stuff. And I can't wait to share this with you. So we will jump right into today's podcast session. Hey, Kev, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, man, thanks. So good to be here. This is awesome. It's uh, wonderful to see you. I know we see each other on Zoom or on or talk on phone calls every week, but just to be able to actually do a formal podcast conversation, I'm really just grateful for it. Yeah, man, me too. This is, for anyone listening, this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. And so hopefully this is going to go well. And I'm really glad to be doing it with you, man. You're doing some awesome stuff. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Kevin is all about the YouTube space. And uh, yeah, so podcasting is definitely like a new a new space. But, you know, I even before we get started with this conversation, I think, you know, one of the things I've, as I, I think, mature as a person and a business owner, I think one of the things I realized is just the power of surrounding yourself with like good people and people that are ambitious, but do things with like high ethics and you know, wanting to build a business, not just like revenue is not the sole indicator, but like, you know, like health and time with loved ones and all of those things. And I just wanted to say one of the things I most appreciate about you is you hold me accountable to that. And so, yeah, I just, I genuinely appreciate you brother and uh, looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah. Right back at you, dude. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I feel like it's so easy to get stuck in the stress of chasing. And I think you're one of the people that really helps, helps me remember that we're building something bigger, trying to build a life instead of stress, you know? And yeah, honestly, it's like having you to walk the journey with has been probably the one of the, the things that has made the whole journey kind of what it is, you know? Like walking, building a business by yourself is just, I can imagine it would just suck, you know? But I think when you, when you have that community, it takes all of that and turns it into something that I'm really grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoy the journey as opposed to the the destination, right? Yeah. And then you make friends along the way too. Yep. Right. We're talking today about studios. And the reason I wanted to have this conversation is one, I mean, you are the person that is responsible for my video studio looking the way it is. Uh, You've taught me so much and it's made me just appreciate video at such a different level. And I wanted to ask you this first question. Why does 
a professional video studio matter? Yeah, that's a great question. Also, you did all the work. I just kind of told you some stuff. So there's that. <laughs> I think the, the real power of having a video studio is, is presence. You know, there is that level of having fancy, nice looking stuff and people take you seriously and all that stuff. But I think something that we just always gloss over and we forget is really the power of the internet. And I always say that having a video presence is like space travel and time travel when you think about it. Because, you know, I've had so many situations and I know you've had the same where you have people from all over the world messaging you going like, you know, they, they, they feel like they know you and they feel like they've been impacted by you in a way that you could never do as a human being with limited constraints. And then so that's space travel. And then time travel would be, you know, we've also had people message us from years and years ago. We might have put in a couple hours making something and it constantly continues to yield impact returns, right? People feeling like they've been heard, people feeling like they can relate to you and that they've been helped by you in a way, especially like me as an introvert and also realizing that I most likely have ADHD too, where my, I have such a limited bandwidth for actually being there with people. Right. And so I think video is so powerful, especially I know for, for your audience, all the therapists out there, right? You all are doing so much emotional labor and trying to be there. And it's a very, it's, it's a very difficult thing to scale. Um, but I, I, I believe the work that you all are doing is so, so important. You know, it's, I think one of the things that the world really needs the most um, to solve most of the problems that we have going on, human-made problems. And I think in order to get the world the healing that they need, they, there really has to be some element of the scalability. So that's why I think it's, it's, it's really just a mind-blowing superpower to, to be able to space travel and time travel with video. Um, I just think that's so cool. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad. I love the way that you phrase that in terms of time travel and space travel. And I actually feel like therapists, even though I know for many of us, like the technology of like creating a nice video setup, that feels intimidating. But I think the skill set of actually doing the thing once that's done, that comes very naturally to us because we're naturally empathic people. We have the ability to connect at a deeper and emotional level with people. And yeah, so, I mean, I love the way you just phrase that. And I mean, and practically, right? Like we're, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, uh, the, the mental health needs, just not just in the US, but globally are just unbelievable. And practically there aren't enough therapists in the world that are actually licensed to be able to to give an encouraging message or to share something that can uplift somebody, right? And so I think there are, I think it's wise for us to think about other ways of delivering that message and figuring out how we can serve, you know, beyond just the one-to-one. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think there's so many other barriers too that we can get into. I don't know if we have time to jump into all these, but like even the simple thing of, like I think there's a certain percentage of the population that, is willing to consider therapy and another huge percentage of the population who doesn't feel like it's worth it for them or like that they need it. And I think to solve that problem, I think a lot of these people are the people who need it the most, right? And they kind of have to have this level of like, they, they need to be able to take you seriously in order for them to consider that maybe, you know, therapy isn't just for people who have their life falling apart. You know, it's something where, you know, if you hire an all-star coach as a basketball player, that's something that is aspirational. And I don't think a lot of people see it 
as aspirational yet in that percentage of the population. You know, and so I think another thing that having a studio does is you're able to get the attention of folks who haven't been served by the traditional talk therapy industry uh, previously. Yeah, yeah, very good point. I, yeah, there's something just humanizing, I think, about video. And when, yeah, I think when it's also, it's almost like, I think the image I have is like going to somebody else's like home court and inviting them as opposed to like being on your home court and just being like, hey, I'm over here you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to shift a little bit over. I mean, I love the fact also you mentioned those barriers. I wanted to offer is like, spend a little bit of you know time just talking about some practical stuff. Because again, you've been doing videos since what? Element, middle school? Elementary school? <laughs> this was uh, high school. High school. So yeah, I mean, over a decade, right? Easily, right? I'm not trying to Try to try to disclose your age here. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a 72 year old man. <laughs> no, yeah, roughly over a decade, maybe a decade and a half. Yeah, and uh, so you've, I mean, you've you've been in this space and you've learned a ton. Kev, you're also extremely modest. I mean, you've helped quite a few big YouTubers, right? And creates home studio spaces. What would you say are like the three things, and we can dive into them, but like the three tips on creating a, a dream like video studio setup? Yeah, man, there's so many. I think the way that I really like to approach it with people, um, and this is for me included, because I came from the kind of like struggling with video at first, right? And and it's not just it's not just the pretty things that, that's the first thing that we notice, right? When someone has a nice camera, nice colors in their background, but really at the core, I think what makes a good studio is a lot of the stuff that you don't see. Because as I'm sure you also know, creating a business online, whether you're pre-recording videos, whether you're meeting people on Zoom calls, whatever it is, there's so much behind the scenes work that goes into just starting the work. And there's so much pressure and so much stress and problems that are created if you're not able to handle that work to do your work. It creates this backlog of stuff where it becomes more and more difficult for you to make any progress. The momentum gets shot. And um, like to, to make a concrete example, I, I quit my job in, in the tech world to do YouTube full-time about three and a half years ago, I think. And um, I started, I was spending, I think probably like four, eight hours sometimes just getting my video set up before I could even film anything. And this was, you know, every time I'd have to figure out where I was going to shoot, how to set up the lighting, tweak that many, many times, figure out why the mic was giving me a buzzing sound, fix that. Then another problem would happen with my audio, set all my camera settings. And by the time I had finally finished setting everything up, I was too exhausted to show up. And so I would start my work feeling defeated already, start on the back foot, start eight hours late, you know. And I think this leads me to kind of the, the, the core of it, which is designing a studio around your needs, right? Everyone's needs are different. Everyone's workflow is different. I love talking to you and your audience because you, you guys understand this the most, that everyone's brain is different. And designing a studio to fit your needs, I think, is the most important piece because even if you have the most pretty thing, you're never going to use it. If it's, if it's too difficult and doesn't fit your needs as a creator or as someone who's doing you know, video calls with clients. So understanding your workflow, there's so many different aspects of that. But I guess the, the number one, probably the biggest point would be understand your, um, the tasks that you need to do to, to just show up in a way that allows you to be there for your audience uh, fully. And for some people, it means like having 
their space set up where they can click a button and within 60 seconds they're filming. For other people, it means having a desk where they can put their, their, you know, their coffee or their tea while they're talking to whoever's on the other side, right? And some other people, it's they want a space that they can also live in because, you know, most of us don't have a home office. I actually spend most of my time filming in my bedroom, right? And if your space is not, if your space is taken over by your video filming setup and it's stressing you out and you don't, can't really feel like you're living in your space, you're not going to be able to be there present when it comes time to turn the camera on and be there. So really thinking, I know that's really vague, but I guess the first step is really thinking about what is your workflow? What do you need your studio to do for you? Because it's really like you're building an asset and this asset should continually produce returns for your business. And oftentimes I think the mistake people make is they build a liability, right? They buy all this gear and they buy all this stuff and they don't take the chance to think through how it should be used for their workflow. And all they've done is they've added four to eight hours of setup before they can start filming, before they can start showing up on Zoom. Yeah, I think this is such a, a good point. And even to drive like some of this home. So one, it's like, as you guys are listening, I want you to sort of imagine you're doing a coaching session or you're doing a telehealth session, right? And look at sort of how how you have it set up, right? Is your laptop, is, is your laptop always there? Or do you have to like remove stuff from your space before you set up the laptop, right? This is, and even to take this to the next level, like just sharing from my example, I mean, you taught me this, which is, I realized for me, and I'm very fortunate and privileged to have a small space where I can have as a home office, but that was really important to me because I didn't want it in another room, right? I just wanted to be able to walk in and just say, this is my creating space, right? Where I can do where I can make videos, create podcasts, where I can do consults, where I can do masterminds, all that stuff, right? But the other really practical thing is I realized I literally wanted to plug in like three things most and be ready to go, right? Like I didn't want to spend all that time. So practically what this means is my camera is set up. Um, I use a DSLR for my, you know, for my, um, all my calls, it's set up the way I want. It's right next to a bigger 27-inch monitor. I've got my lights. But then the most important thing is, and this is actually the best purchase I made this year, which is these mic arms that Rode makes, the PSA ones. They literally clamp to my desk. So if I need to have my shotgun mic, right, which is the mic I use for video, or I need to have my podcasting mic, they're on two different mic arms and I can just move them right in right? I don't have to worry about plugging something in or unplugging something. It, to your point, like it, it turns something that could be a roadblock or liability into something that's an asset. Yeah, 100%. And see that, that happens when you really think through what your needs are, right? And thinking through what sort of workflow would help you process your work faster and what sort of um, mental roadblocks um, would kind of get in the way so I love how you designed it. And so I wanted to kind of just kind of throw this out there. Like everyone's studio, again, is different, you know, and this is why it's so hard to, to kind of, I think when, when everyone is, is building their studios, it's so hard to find like the, the right quote unquote answers because yeah, it's like, it really depends. You know, it's that answer that people don't really like to hear, but it really takes some, some thought work to figure out what is the right solution for you. Yeah. And right. There isn't. Yeah. And, and I've learned that this year, right? Because there are so many little factors, right? Like what kind of setup do you even down to like, 
this room, right? The, I mean, you, you, obviously it's an audio interview, but if you guys have ever seen me on video, you see the background right behind me. But what you don't see is there's this obnoxious wall that comes in like really far in. And I, that's like a limitation I have. And I had to kind of work around it. So if you go like to zoom too far out, there's this wall there. And I just, I mean, there's just interesting constraints. And I love the fact of that you said that, like it, everyone has something different. And ultimately it's about thinking intentionally, right? As opposed to creating something that, as opposed to like replicating, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry if I made that sound kind of negative. <laughs> I think that the real, the real kind of um, silver lining is there is that like, as long as you're thinking intentionally about it, you will find those solutions that work for you. And the thing that I tell all my students that I guide through this process is like, you just have to trust that this is a pro, this is the creative process, creating something that isn't, has not been there before, mm. right? By definition, it's going into the unknown. And so in order to, to get there, you kind of have to have that, that level of courage to try something, even though it might not work. But chances are, if you take a handful of those collectively, you are going to end up with something you really like. So I tell all my students that, you know, this process, for those of you who are thinking about doing this, this process is all about iteration and almost just, it's like you kind of have to mentally be prepared for some things to not work, but know that overall, the, the studio that works for you the best that you're going to love is on the other side of doing some things that you might think might not pan out. So like you with, with your room, right? With that wall sticking out. I think I remember you, you going like, oh man, this is so hard. Everyone else has a, a wall. I just wish I had a flat wall. But now you've kind of made it your way and then you've, you've kind of made it happen, right? And so I just wanted to encourage anyone else listening that this stuff, I know it can be very, very tricky and in intimidating. You know, I've gone through so many, so many iterations you know, and wasted so much money on gear, felt very, very discouraged uh, many times along the way. But I just wanted to encourage you that like, if you iterate your way there, you will get there. Yeah, beautifully said. What other tips do you get, do you have for us that can kind of improve the, the studio setup? Ooh, again, so many. But I guess one that would probably be the most helpful <clears throat> is to kind of give a more broad view of what makes videos look good in the first place. And really, I think it, this applies especially well to this context, right? In the therapy context, it's, it's you're trying to not just give the person information, but half of your role there is to give them a space where they can process, where they can feel heard. But yeah, I think you all as therapists know this the best, that your role isn't just to, to, to give people information, right? It's to help be there for them. It's to give them a space that they can process, a space where they feel like they can let go and fully be present with working through whatever they're working through, right? And it's really to create that receptive mental state. And in order to do that, we have to, we have so many different tools at our disposal, right? So for instance, just to name a couple of them, um, when, uh, again, you all, I feel like I'm speaking to the experts here. You all know that, you know, for instance, um, our, our environmental factors can affect the hormones we produce. So if you step into this glaring, bright sunlight, you're going to secrete some cortisol, right? Or let's say like this, this um, 2 a.m., you, you're stepping into this, this dingy bus stop restroom and there's like these buzzing fluorescent greenish lights, greenish white lights. You're not going to feel like you're in a very open, safe place. You're going to shut down and uh, you're going to kind of have your guard up. Um, but if on the other hand, you walk into a place that has a cozy, um, like a little fireplace or something, you know, you're going to feel a lot more open. You're going to be in relationship building mode and you're going to, I think, be a lot more receptive to the different ideas and suggestions and advice 
that um, you, you know, from like from anyone you're talking to in that context. So I guess just thinking through the, uh, the goals that you have from an emotional level, video is not about information. Otherwise, we would all be writers, right? The purpose of us doing video is so that we can bring in that human component and bring in a lot of these other factors that we don't get a chance to really use in all the other mediums, right? With video, we have the ability to use facial expressions, use everything that we do on the podcast, right? We have our voice, our timing, our inflection, but then you also have the visual side of the colors. And also I'd say there's um, a lot of stuff in video that helps hold people's attention. Principle that uh, is very core to everything we do is thinking about depth and depth is uh, just at its core. It's like what is popping out and what is receding from from the frame, right? But uh, really what it is, is about designing attention. So how do you get your content? Again, if this is pre-recorded on YouTube to reach a wider audience, or this is you on a Zoom call or a webinar, it's kind of the same thing. You, you know you're competing against a whole bunch of different pieces of content on the internet for that person's attention. And the way that you can continually bring that person back is to continually guide their eyes to look at your face. And there's a whole bunch of different ways we can do it. But I guess to pick one of them is the blur that you can create with your camera lens. So if you, if you look closely, the difference between a webcam and say a Hollywood movie is uh, that they're able to blur the background much better in a Hollywood context. And that's why webcams and older cell phones, they look digital to us. They don't really look pleasing. And oftentimes the difference is it's just that blur amongst a whole bunch of different other things. But uh, yeah, if you can get your background blurrier, it's going to be uncomfortable for your viewer's eyes to stay looking at your background. And they're going to naturally move their eyes back to your face. And where your eyes go, your attention follows. So this is kind of, I guess, one of those like psychological hacks to, to increase your watch time if you're a content creator or to just make it easier for your, for your viewers to follow along with you on a Zoom call. Because yeah, it's, it's just way more natural. We feel more at ease when um, we're looking at something and the background has this nice soft focus. It doesn't feel as overwhelming as when everything's in focus. Because our eyes don't see the world like that. Our eyes, if you pay attention to it, if you hold your thumb up to your, to your face and you close one eye, if you look at your thumb, the whole background is out of focus. And so creating that depth in video kind of helps to emulate that real life context a lot better. Yeah, I didn't fully, I mean, even to that last point, I didn't fully understand how much of a difference there is between webcams and DSLRs. I mean, to that, to the, to the connection point, right? Because I used to use this, you know, just like a, a webcam, like a, I think it's Logitech C920, great webcam, but it made me and the background all blend in together, right? And right when I switched to this DSLR, and, it's, and, and there's a lot of intentional things that, you know, you've definitely helped me guide me through and think through, but the combo of the DSLR with the intentional warm lights in the background, right? And sort of dark on the edges, like it, it guides you toward the, the center, which is just, it's fascinating. Kev, uh, where our, our time is like flying by, but uh, any like a final like quick tip uh, for us? Man, there's so many. This is a... It's going to be a masterclass, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say one thing to think about is lighting. This is a piece that I think a lot of people neglect because it's not the most visible. It's the most invisible, visible thing when it comes to video. And lighting, when you want to light yourself, you want to pay attention to, again, creating this sense of depth with your lighting. A lot of people, they'll just throw a ring light in front of their camera 
because it just seems like it's the most video type of light. Like you never see that in someone's house, right? And so when, when someone goes, I'm doing YouTube or I need to get better Zoom calls, they think, oh, just throw a ring light. And so that's, I guess, sort of a, a misconception that a lot of us have when we start out is you don't want light just shining at you directly from the front. You're going to look like a deer in the headlights. You're going to look, it's, it's that hostage in a basement look that I, that I talk about. It's, you know, it doesn't make you look, it's not beauty lighting. It's not flattering both for yourself and for the person watching you. They're like, Ugh, I don't, you know, why am I talking to this person? They don't seem like they know what they're talking about. But really think about how you can get like a larger diffuse light source. I don't know if that's too much in the weeds, but basically that's just, it's, it's going to give you a lot more uh, flattering appearance when you have a large light source and it's, it's diffuse. So like shining a light through a uh, shower curtain, like a frosted shower curtain, for instance, um, or bouncing it off of a wall will allow it to kind of fill in your face with this, this soft, it'll wrap your, your face in a softer glow. And again, it, it creates a more inviting effect because, excuse me, on the other side of that, that coin is if you, if you light yourself really poorly, you end up looking like a villain, right? In all Hollywood movies, they have villains showing up with huge harsh shadows on their faces and every single imperfection is showing. And that's how they make you distrust a character you never met before. And we're trying to do the exact opposite. You're usually showing up for the first time with someone you've never met before. And if you light yourself terribly, you've basically turned yourself into a Hollywood villain and immediately that person is turned off and they close off and they want to, you know, go consume someone else's content. So that's the first tip that comes to mind that I just notice a lot of people not realizing they're doing and they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. And even to bring that home, like I felt like, you know, and I've shared this with you guys on the podcast, I, I took a lot of art classes and I, I was like, you know, pretty familiar with like Rembrandt lighting and all of that stuff. But I don't know, for some reason, when I started doing video, that kind of went out the door. I had forgotten about it. And I thought the same thing of, you know, let me just shine a light like right in the middle, like so it lights up my entire face. And I completely like forgot about that principle. And, you know, I, uh, I'll include a, or I'll mention in the show notes, a, a link to like my current setup, but adding like a softbox and just creating that flattering light has been an absolute game changer. It just looks so much more natural and, and so much more pleasant. So I really love that you, uh, you shared that tip. Kev, I'm so grateful for you. I know you've got so much going on and uh, including a live cohort, which is an opportunity to actually, if you're really into this stuff, to dive really in, spend time with Kevin, get your home studio set up, whether you, know, you are doing telehealth sessions or and you want to kind of up the game and up the quality, or you're transitioning into coaching, consulting, creating online courses, all of that stuff. Tell us a little bit more about the cohort and uh, how we can learn more about it. Yeah. So after teaching this stuff to a lot of friends and people on the internet, I, I ended up building a course to help more people do this stuff because there are steps that you can follow to make it a lot less intimidating. And so it's called the Dream Studio Course. So dreamstudiocourse.com. And we host these, uh, these cohorts every now and then where we just, as a bunch of people, we just come together and we walk through this process together. So you don't feel lost. You don't feel ill-equipped. Um, all of the structures there, the, the process, and you have a community to go through it with. And then I will help you out to, to kind of guide you to figure out what you should do next. So again, you never feel lost because like I've been there before where it's, you get stuck in this YouTube rabbit hole where you think watching more and more videos with information is going to help you. But the problem usually isn't that. 
The problem is translating that to your situation, like you with the wall, or me in my case with, okay, I've got limited space to work with, or whatever is your, your situation. And so working together in that way allows me to, to really help people a lot more closely. And so, yeah, that'd be the best way to, I guess, connect. Honestly, I say this every time I, um, I come on with you to talk to your audience, but I believe that the work you all are doing is so, so important, like with therapy and like mental health. Because again, I, I really believe that it's one of the most core problems that if we could fix, there would be so much healing in the world, right? So many different problems would be fixed. And so, yeah, I just like, I really want to be able to support you all however I can. So I'm trying to think what would be most helpful. There is a, a longer form, like a free training thing that you can find on that website. But honestly, the best way to stay in touch would be to sign up for our email list. There's a, there's a wait list on the, the website for when the next cohort happens. But I would really love to hear from you all because this is just the first step in trying to like amplify the voices of the helpers and healers out there, you know. So if there's anything I can do for you all, definitely um, get in touch. My email should be on the website. And yeah, I hope to hear from some of you all. All right. Thanks so much, man. I'll definitely put that in the show notes for you guys, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 296. Kev, uh, thank you again for doing this and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me, man. This was fun. (laughs) Welcome and uh, congrats on the first podcast interview. Thanks, man. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kevin and especially if uh, you've been thinking long and hard about improving your video quality and all of these things. I hope that today's podcast session has just been like super helpful for you and, and helps you think about uh, a lot of different way and a different approach to stuff. I mentioned on the podcast conversation, um, I had like a, I created a little kit of all of the stuff that I'm using. And the best way to find that is kit, uh, K-I-T dot C-O forward slash M Varghese, kit dot co forward slash M Varghese. And I've got a bunch of little kits there. So I've got everything from like telehealth coaching kit uh, all the way down to my online course building kit to my podcasting kit. So these are basically the, the gear and the software that I'm using uh, with my current setup, if, if that would be helpful for you. I'm also an affiliate for Kevin's Dream Studio course. So if you end up going through the cohort, uh, if you would consider uh, purchasing through sellingthecouch.com forward slash Dream Studio course, I would be much appreciated. It would continue to help me to run the blog and the podcast and up the quality and all of that stuff. Again, I don't, you know, I don't recommend courses unless I've actually gone through it. And Kevin, I mentioned this in the, you know, in our, when we were starting the conversation, but Kevin's been so instrumental. And one of the things I most love about him is he thinks a lot about like, not just like, you need to go purchase this, right? But he looks at like budget and constraints. And ultimately, it's about providing a, an emotional connection to our video studios, right? And, you know, for me, just a a nice compliment I've been getting a lot recently when folks see my video, they're like, wow, it sounds like I'm like sitting around a a campfire with you. Like it's so warm and inviting. And that's the look I was going for because, you know, I try to be a warm and inviting and a kind person. And uh, I wanted to create a space uh, where people feel that way because, you know, we run, for example, masterminds, right? And, And I wanted folks to be able to feel like, hey, you know, like this is a safe space and this is a warm space where we can talk about these kind of things. I was thinking a lot about the conversation with Kevin and just reflecting a lot. Uh, there were a lot of things that, that I took away and was reflecting on. 
Um, I think the one kind of practical thing for me uh, that I kept coming back to was everyone's dream studio is going to look different, like practically from a budget perspective and all of these different things. It makes zero sense for you initially like to invest the amount of money that I've invested into your studio setup. The reason I do it is because I'm at this point an online creator as well, right? So there's creating courses, we're creating video, we're creating a bunch of stuff, right? So it just made sense for me and it may not make sense for you. So ultimately, uh, don't get focused on gear and selecting a certain type of gear and don't get stuck on like, I want to have X amount of budget, but like look at your setup and Honestly, like this is my current setup and my first setup for a number of years was a $60 mic with a webcam, you know, and then I just slowly upgraded. So that's the other piece I would say, don't look at someone's final destination or final product and imagine and then feel like really bad of like, why is mine not that good? Because what you often don't see is all of the different iterations that it's taken to get there. So Show notes again to today's session can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 296. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.